Track Guide, Cross the Streams Podcast, Season 2, Episode 11, interview uh, with Denver Nuggets assistant coach David Adelman, a guest from Season 1 for us. We wanted to bring him back when we first talked with David. He was with the Orlando Magic staff, going into his second year, uh, third year maybe, with the de- second year with the Denver Nuggets. Um, great interview with Dave, behind the scenes at training camp with the NBA, thought processes for an NBA assistant coach in charge of offense like he is, dealing with different players, different age groups in the NBA, Really fun interview. Always appreciate David's honesty uh, and willing to take us behind the scenes and talk about things in his craft. Uh, Kane joins me for the React segment. Great talk with him, especially in comparing the life of an assistant coach in the NBA with you know a lot of stuff Kane's doing as an assistant coach in football in the Pac-12. Uh, sprinkling a little bit about D3 and the Bearcats and, and, the, and the coaching takeaways I had from Dave's interview. And then we end it with a little pump the brake session for the NFL and some of the young rookie quarterbacks doing amazing things, but Kane and I both agree let's slow down before we get their gold jackets ready for the hall of fame cross the stream season two episode 11 david adelman denver nuggets interview and reaction cross the streams podcast season two episode 11 and we're going back to our first ever interview guest so i don't know if he's just crazy or a super nice guy for coming back and dealing with us. But Coach David Adelman, Denver Nuggets, back with me. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to come back on. Absolutely, sir. And I, I, we were just joking about it. I think you're still our most listened to uh, episode. So there's no pressure for you to drive more ratings for us. You know what I'm saying? We don't have a marketing budget for Cross the Stream. So we're just going to throw your name out there a lot. <laughs> Exactly. Hey, funny thing. I hope you don't mind sharing, but we both we were trying to do this last night, and both of us had uh, parenting one hundred and one escapades that that didn't allow us to to get on the pod exactly. I tell everybody, you know, the kids' ages. What is one thing? Is there a thing from coaching that you can actually use at home? Because I think about that myself. Like I spend all these hours trying to, you know, get my nineteen to twenty-two year old man in in line, and then I go home and my eleven-year-old is a lunatic. Like, is there something applicable for what we do day to day that you and the wife are trying to use at home? Yeah, I mean, my son uh, LJ is four, uh, and my daughter Lennon is three. Uh, it's funny. I actually think the the patience mm-hmm. that you learn from your kids, I've actually taken to work. There you go. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it kind of works both ways. You uh, just taking a breather and uh, you know looking at the situation, and I don't know. There's a caring patience, yeah. You know, that's involved with parenting your kids, and um, you know it's applicable, you know, both ways when you're coaching and when you're at home. The different dynamic for you having grown men on the roster, do you guys, like, I find that when I tell my guys, like, in, you know, team films or huddles, if I share a little bit about my life the night before in a Crayola turf war, it, it, it kind of opens up, opens me up as a human, I think, a little bit to them. Does that, is that applicable in the NBA? Are the players telling stories about their kids? How, how does that dynamic work with, with the older guys that you're dealing with? Oh, I, I think it, you're right on. I mean, I, I just had a, a uh, really interesting conversation with Isaiah Thomas. He has two sons. He's about to have a daughter. Um, just about the differences, uh, just the natural differences between parenting a daughter and parenting a son. Mm-hmm. You, you think you can avoid them, but right. it's, it's, it's extremely different. Yes. Um, you know, and Paul Millsap's kids, uh, you know, sharing the, what's going on at their school. And uh, no, it is. There, there's a, a connection there when you 
experience something like parenting, you know, if you have people that haven't had kids, it's, uh, you know, it's hard to explain. But yes. if you talk to somebody that's going through it, uh, they get it. Yep. You know, they understand what you're going through. And no, I, I absolutely agree. It's a connection. And to be honest, we also have guys that are like guys that you coach. They're Michael Porter's 19. Right. Uh, you know, Jared Vanderbilt, we just drafted from Kentucky. He's 19. So patience with those yep. guys. You know, it's. It works both ways with the older guys and the younger guys. That's awesome. And speaking of family, and I appreciate you giving me permission to, to bring this up, but since we last talked, you know, you your family tragically lost your, your, your big brother, RJ, uh, who was also a Bearcat Hoop family member here at Willamette in Salem, Oregon. And, and I know at our reunion this past May, a very touching tribute um, that, that Coach Gordy James did. But I wanted to bring up, and if, if, with your permission to talk about it, the phenomenal article on RJ's life that just came out in The Athletic and you sent my way and, and we were able to share and I know guys all the way up through Kevin Love shared the article so I want to give you a little bit of time just talk about the article RJ how are you guys doing I know those things it's you know there's there's cliche answers for it it's never really something that you can say oh great uh, but just how are you guys yeah. doing and, and how did that uh, that article hopefully help a little bit because I thought it was so well done by the author yeah it was uh, I, I was very nervous to do it um, I thought about it for a long time uh, but John Krasinski, who wrote it, I, I'd known him for a while, and I, I trusted him. Um, and I, I just—it's funny, you know, when something like that happens, it's so final, mm-hmm. and you just—you it, know—it's—it never goes away. And it's not—it's not easier. Yeah. You know, and when, when I think about it, there, there's nothing's changed since you know the, the day I found out. Um, but that was a way that you know something positive, something upbeat. Uh, something real about him and who yeah. he was, the, ri- the rhythm of the person that yeah. I knew. Um, and we had, you know, I, I got lucky, you know, Eric Schulstra, who knew him well, and Kevin Scanlon, another uh, Bearcat, yep. uh, spoke about him, and they were so honest and forthcoming about who he was. And I, it just felt like a, a positive tribute um, to somebody that, you know, really had a tragic ending. Yeah. So it was a, uh, um, it meant a lot to me, and I, I think it it healed a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something to look back on, and and it's funny, man. I mean, in today's world with the internet, it's the final story about him is that he's gone. Yeah, and I I thought that this was something that can, you know, my nieces, my nephews, my kids can look back and read something about the person he was, not you know how it all ended. Right. Right, no, and it, I, for those of you listening out there across the streams, we'll put up on all our social media pages uh, a link to the article on The Athletic. We did have it if you follow our Bearcat Hoop stuff as well. Um, and like I mentioned, it's out there, and it's it's well worth subscribing to The Athletic to get because it is such a such a moving tribute, like you mentioned, David. Like It does met, let you see like the, the personality that was your brother, so I appreciate you sharing that with me and then talking about it today. Um, for you, we, we mentioned before, like when we first got on, how you doing, you said, gearing up that's training camp that's you know this grind the 82 games that you deal with every year what does that look like what is training camp for the nba i think a lot of college coaches or high school coaches the the practice we picture you know like a two a days like what is that at the highest level of this game what is opening a season really look like well nowadays it's it's nerve-wracking because we don't have a lot of time uh you know i think in the past you know players would come back for you know, a three-week training camp, two-a-days, get themselves in shape at that point. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's, you know, we go, we start next, 
I guess a week from Tuesday, we play LeBron James six days later oh, in the game. Right. So it's for us, it's now it's been going. You know, training camp. It's almost an extension of it. Is pre training camp. Okay. You know, guys are in town. Um, it's all voluntary, but it's become kind of a unwritten thing. Like, hey, you know, you got to be in shape. We don't have a lot of time. We you got to get in and have get some repetition with the other guys. Play some pickup games. Yeah. Um, and a lot of meeting. You know. For me, running the offensive side, getting with guys, trying to give them a feel for the looks we're going to add this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're kind of in that mix right now. And then when it hits, it's 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 long. I mean, it's it's two days. It's I mean, it's uh, extremely competitive because guys only have a certain amount of days and practices and training or uh, preseason games to to make the rotation or yeah, you know, make the team. So what is uh, the number of bodies you guys bring in? I think the NBA. You know, the preseason doesn't get like the hard knocks treatment that the NFL does where people are more like, oh, they got 90, they're going to cut to the 53. What does that look like in the basketball side? Well, for us, because uh, both our draft picks, you know, most likely will not play in training camp. We, we're going to bring at least three or four free agents who, you know, have a, an outside chance of making the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say we have 20 bodies there. Okay. Um, I mean, the biggest thing for us is we know who our top seven, maybe eight guys are in the rotation, and, and it's trying to figure out. It's really intense. You know, who's the ninth guy? So yeah. A lot of times you play at the most nine, maybe ten. Um, and we have a lot of talented young guys that somebody's going to break through in the next two weeks, and somebody's going to earn that spot. Yeah. Do they, do they keep the spot throughout the year? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a high intense time for some of these guys, you know, their careers are, you know, they're in their third year. It's like, it's now or never kind of situation. So yeah, um, it's intense. The, I, I'm glad you brought up depth chart. That was one of the things that, that Kane wanted me to ask you, you know, what is, I don't his, you know, every Washington football, Pac-12 football, there's scholarship discussion versus walk on. If there's a, if there's a close battle at a position, who's the preferred, like, what should we do? Where does salary cap come into your staff? And it'll have to be just the nuggets. Like, what have you experienced in your three times when salary cap or, you know, a, uh, the payment status, affects your guys' depth chart or you have free 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 lance free range to set it based on who's playing well yeah it's delicate mm-hmm. i mean it's uh you know if you, if you pay for a guy that can if you think is going to be something you know he has to have that opportunity yeah um and there is there is a business side to that but i you know in the end ownership front office coaches players i mean it's about wins and losses so yeah uh, if a guy breaks through, like last year, a great example for us was Tory Craig was our two-way player, uh, journeyman kid, played in Australia, came out of nowhere on the summer league team, uh, signed a two-way contract, and by the end of the year was in our rotation ahead of you know three first-round draft picks. Yeah. So stuff like that happens, and gotcha. guys like Tory are great stories because, like you said, to break through like that mm-hmm. is you know one in a thousand because. It's you're dealing with not only I have to outplay you, but like you said, we have financial, you know, situations where we've put money and time into other guys. Mm-hmm. So to break through like that is, is extremely unique. Right, right. Uh, you you mentioned the offensive side. You you get into delve into that and, and take control of that. 
What does that look like for you? What is, is it per player for your, I'm calling it install, obviously in a franchise setup, you got guys that have been with you for a while. So there's some, there's some, um, you know, some already some institutional know-how for some guys, but how are you going about getting your stuff in? Well, you start with Jokic. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's how many different ways, how many different looks, how many different opportunities can you give him uh, to play make. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you work your way from there. And yes, you do have specials that you put in. I think I think the delicate part is the what do you keep from last year? You know, what do you try to improve? What do you take out? Gotcha. And, you know, there's things like, you know, Wilson Sandler, we, we traded him to Philadelphia this summer. He was a big part of a package of sets that we had, so those are gone. Um, so you're trying to find unique things that fit now Will Barton, who will be our small forward. Yeah. Uh, most likely. Yeah. So you, you, you're trying to find continuities um, that fit the five guys who are going to be on the court together. And then it's kind of a guesstimation of who's going to be your bench, who's going to be the rotation. Uh, I'm going through that right now. Yeah. And, you know, doing based on out-of-bounds plays, we're changing packages with that and slightly out-of-bounds and end of game. And it's a it's a lot, but like you said, it's there's stuff that really worked for us last year. So mm-hmm. there's, there's going to be a lot of stuff we bring back and just try to make better. Yeah. Uh, but for me, is I, I don't want to – I got to be creative because we have arguably the most creative big guy alive. Right. So we have to give him as much as we can – Give him as much of a framework to, to work in and let him take it from there. Uh, on those on those notes, and I know you and I have joked about in the past that you know you don't need 48 pages of analytics to tell you Jokic is pretty damn good. But yeah. what, is, what is your measurement of success or efficiency that, that the boss wants you to do, that you use internally for yourself to say, hey, that's got to go, or this is really good? Like, well, What are your measurables or even how you get to the feeling that, that you act on? Yeah, I think the I think the feel is most important. You know, you can look back at stuff. Uh, you know, we had a set last year, and for whatever reason, analytically, points per possession, it always led to a mid range jump shot. But it was for Nicola. Yeah, and that's a great play. And I, I, you know, for but you look at the numbers and all that stuff, and it tells you that's not the best shot we could get. Well. I don't care. Like, that's, that's the shot we want. Yeah. And, you know, there's other times where you, you look at something and points for possession was good and all this, and then you go back and watch it, and there just wasn't a good flow to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it just – maybe a guy throws in a shot every now and then at the end of the shot clock, and it, you know, it makes your points for possession or, or your analytics look good. But, um, you know, you, there is a feel to it. you got to look at it. And I think the conversations with players help. You know, I'm yeah. really close to – Darren Harris is – extremely intelligent, incredibly underrated player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm picking his brain. Like, did you like this? Did you like the feel of this, the flow of it? You know, yeah. there's so much continuity that we put in. Yeah. And to have his feedback and other players' feedback, Tom Murray, Paul Millsap, you know, you, you can kind of get a feel for them and they'll tell you, eh, you know, it was all right. You know, and, and just something being all right means it should be gone. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You want to find things they like to bring. You know, the, the activity's high, the the energy's good. You see it in the repetition when they're going 4-0, 5-0. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do think there's a lot of feel to it. Gotcha. The Has that been an evolution for you, having worked on different staffs, you know, starting on your dad's, going to Orlando, being in Denver now? Are more places, are different franchises more... Um, 
tied to the analytics part where others are more field-based? Is it universal across the league that it's a balancing act? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a balancing act. Good. I mean, I think if you go you go the Houston route and what they're doing, you yeah. better have a Hall of Fame player. Gotcha. You know, I, I get the, you know, the, the three ball and all that stuff. And it's, look, it, it obviously producing open threes for good shooters is better than open twos. Right. Mean, you know, if they're not a layup, I get that. Right. But you have to have somebody that can make that happen. They have to have two guys who can make that happen. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, for us, it's Nicola. I mean, Nicola, he he provides something that he finds people in spots, and we get paint points and open threes. And I believe in all of it, but I do believe there's a major balancing act that you got to be careful. You know, gotcha. You can really lose yourself and lose the soul of the team if you're just looking at numbers. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I'd imagine, like, if, if my 19 to 22-year-olds are very perceptive in, on that point, the, the, the balancing act you run on losing a locker room, I'd imagine veterans whose salary and livelihood depends on it, that heightened awareness probably exists at a, at a whole other level where you're at. Yeah, and you know, it's, the NBA's changed. You know, a lot of the leadership in the NBA is. Um, I think the best front offices, uh, and I'm not just saying this because I'm here, but ours is one of them, has a balance. You know, guys that were professional basketball players, whether they were in Europe, they played in the NBA, guys that have you know, coached professionally back in the day, and then the mix of the younger, you know, the generation that's really bought into all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I think it's good because it's an open conversation. I think you learn a lot about the other side of it if you're willing to have, you know, good competitive conversation yeah. about what works and what doesn't. Gotcha. Gotcha. What is one thing I want to make sure I get some of Kane's questions in here? Because apparently when you're the co-host, you get to put questions in even if you don't show up for the interview. <laughs> you know, getting ready for the Utah Utes is more important, apparently. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. What are, I mean, you don't have to give us exact numbers, but he wanted to know, you know, he knows the hours he's putting in in the Pac-12. Like, where do you find for yourself? What's the line between I've been here for 14 hours and now I'm no longer efficient? versus like, yeah. hey, I only did eight, and I feel like I should do more to get prepared. Like, how do you work that balance? I don't even know if, if it's even possible to have a balance doing your job. Yeah, it's uh, – yeah, for me, the, the way I handle it, you know, I'll go in and I'll have a checklist of things I want to get done during the day. Um, but there's no question, before this season starts, you know, I'm going to go home and see my kids, mm-hmm. and see my wife, and – you know, kind of turn it off for a second, but yeah. I, work, I work a lot at night, too. Okay, when um, everybody's in bed? Yeah, I can, I can sit down for a couple hours, turn music on, or turn whatever, Scott Van Pelt on in the background, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and break things down, because for me, it's a lot of film. I mean, you're watching, you're looking for ideas, you know, I, I was watching a bunch of the, you know, the beer league the other night, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that day was, you know, if we're talking basketball, it was probably 16 hours that yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I try to find days where you just don't, you have to turn it off sometimes. Or like you said, you, you can lose creativity. You, gotcha. know, you can, and I think sometimes guys think, you know, if I'm in the office for X number of hours that I'm getting ahead, I, I don't believe that. Yeah. You know, and I, I had that example from my dad, you know, he was really good at what he did. And when he worked at it, the door was shut and he was going to work, but when he wasn't working, it was off. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I think I think you need that during the season. For us, it's very different than football because I'm working on a plane, you know, at 3 a.m. flying to Chicago to play a back-to-back. Right, right. So you don't get the prep have, week. 
Yeah, it's I don't know how many hours that you know. It's a lot. You know, you work during the day. You have practice. You have shoot around. You work with players. And really, when you really get stuff done, is on that plane. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, we fly so much. It almost becomes like your, you know, your secondary office. Right. And it, it, I don't. Man, this sounds strange, but is the, I had got to be the, the Nuggets charter Wi-Fi has got to be worth a damn for you guys to be working as much as you do. Yes. Yeah, it's it's good. And yeah. We, some of the, two, the new technology, the way we can work offline. Helps oh, out. gotcha. You know, it's if you don't, you don't have great Wi-Fi. Uh, you know, you can download stuff before we get on, just to make sure you have it, just in case. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, it's, and the technology gets better every year. You know, we we just added a new format to get playbooks out, get players their minutes, so they can watch film, all that stuff. It's you, know, you, you got to catch up. Because yeah. it's changing so fast. Has that even been since you first broke into the league in Minnesota to now? That's uh, you brought up dispensing information to the guys. Like I know we we talk about it all the time. Hey, this is a great playlist. It's a hundred goddamn clips. How do we get it to twenty five so he actually watches it and gets something out of it? What is your thoughts on that? How do you dispense what they need to know in the NBA? Is it more tech now than paper? Or what does it look like? Yeah, it's. I would say. It's all tech now. Gotcha. Um, part of that, too, is just changing with the times and changing with the players. Yep. Yeah. Some players at their younger ages, you might get more out of them, you know, putting instant notes on a 20, you know, 20 uh, play edit and send it to their phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they watch it on their own while they're also checking their Twitter and their Instagram or whatever they're doing. Yeah. So it's sometimes you got you to gotta be creative with that. And guys' attention spans are different now. Right. I mean, they just are. You know, Isaiah Thomas... You know, he's a film. You know, he's a guy that wants to watch a ton of film, and he wants to have a conversation about it. It's very old school, mm-hmm. and you know, younger guys are different. Yeah. You know, you, so you gotta. I think it's kind of individually based, but yeah. As far as the the tech versus the paper, I mean, it's all it's all tech now. For you, if you're doing a scout or just for the Nuggets in general, do you guys have a ton of team film still? Like, hey, we're all sitting down. You know, picture a room and everybody's in there, or is it more like you mentioned? Hey, it's me and the two point guards tonight, or I got the bigs tomorrow in here. What what does that look like for you? We try to break it up. You okay. know, with each coach I've had, uh, it's been different. You know, Sam Mitchell likes almost like football positional meetings. Yeah. You okay. know, I, I ran the the two threes. Um, we had a captain in each meeting, meaning like a, a major player, like Tayshawn Prince was my captain. Gotcha. Uh, he okay. would help me kind of navigate the film. Um, you know, with Denver, it's because I run the offense, we do do, you know, team offensive breakdown, teaching, uh, which I'm, you know, in charge of. And yeah. I'm also individually in charge of Gary Harris. They need both. You know, they yeah. need to see their individual progress, but then we also need to, you know, make sure the team's on the same page. Right. Right, right. The that's I wanted to bring this up to you because you and I like to like to tweet stuff. To I mean, text back and forth about the greatness of Aaron Rodgers occasionally, and maybe your your usage of him in the NCAA football universe back in EA Sports. I always have felt like NBA U assistants don't get the same amount of reverence as the NFL assistants, purely because you don't have a headset and you don't get to use a little sweet iPad to scroll through when they come off to the sideline. You know what I mean? Like it's such a like you just said I'm in charge of the offense, but they're never going to say there's David Adam and that was a great call that trip. What a the X's and O's design. And you guys I don't I'm assuming you can't have that tech on the sideline in the league, right? Yeah, it's changing. Uh, I think this year was the second year they're allowing an iPad behind the bench 
it can't be live in action, but okay. you can use it to show an end-of-game play. Or, oh, okay. Um, but what we're trying to get to is allowing, you know, letting the NBA allow us to, hey, it's a timeout. I want to pull the iPad out and show Jamal Murray, like, this right. is not what we're trying to do on this. Right. Um, and then they've been, it's it's, cha- it's changing for the, for the better. Mm-hmm. I think they just want to make sure they're policing it the right way so it's not used in a, for advantage, you know, during the game or, um, you know, just nothing negative about it. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I know what you're saying. I, if I was standing up in a yes. dry fit shirt. And you had a laminated was, page, <laughs> maybe you put a pencil behind your ear. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. It's, uh, it's a lot. Yeah, you're right. It's it's a little different. Um, but that's okay. I mean, yeah. It's, it's it is what it is. For that dynamic between you and the boss, do you go talk before game? Like, hey, I think this part offensively is where we're attacking the Bulls tonight. Is he overriding you on certain? Th- I mean, like, well, how has that worked out? How does it set up for you throughout the year? Yeah, I, I'm lucky. Uh, coaches. You know, obviously, he has opinions about things we do. He'll have suggestions. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's he's concerned about us, and I'm concerned about them. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm watching this is how they guard, dribble handoffs, drag screens, you know, whatever, flex cuts, uh, our open seal, you know, like splits, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And I give that to the team, and then I'll decide what are the two most important things we need to focus on. So we go through shoot-around we get a little repetition against what we're going to see that night. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been, he's given me, a, you know, a lot of responsibility. Um, and so I'm lucky in that sense, but no, no question. I mean, if he, if he sees something that he thinks is more important then that's what we're going to do. Yeah. 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 Uh, but for the most part, he's given me, you know, a lot of responsibility and every game I'll give him a play sheet of things I think are, uh, you know, stuff I think we should use during the game to yeah. attack people, whether they're, out of timeout plays or uh, the way we run a certain play, change it up a little bit for tonight. Um, so, you know, it's it's really cool because I get to watch all these other teams and how they defend. Yeah. And it's cool to have that, you know, responsibility of, hey, this is how we should attack tonight. Throughout in the NBA, and, and you can, without giving me your trade secrets, I know in my league, I mean, there's coaches in this league that still have flip chart calls and codes and colors. There's other people that are all hand signals. Other people are every trip verbalizing, you know, wearing X pin, whatever. What has been successful for you? What is the norm in the league per trip? You know, I think a lot of people sometimes are, they, they're like, oh, the NBA, there's, there's no coaching. Or, oh, the NBA Popovich is, you know, his joystick coaching every possession. What is the truth? Uh, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I mean, I, for me, I, I think if part of coaching is you did it in practice, your guys are organized, and you can, you can get guys to play a certain way without calling anything. Gotcha. And, it's, that's, and I think people don't realize, you know, when I was a high school coach, uh, you know, I don't think people realize how hard it is to get guys locked in like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because they think if someone stands up and calls, you know, four different terminologies, that they're really doing a great job. Right. But to me, to right. me, that's like, well, actually, you're you have to tell them every step of the way. Yeah. Which means you didn't get out of them in practice. And right. That's my opinion. Right. No. Agreed. Um, so for us, most of what you know, I want to accomplish, and I try to do this even in high school was. Wherever that pass goes, that first pass, and whatever that first cut is, that's going to tell you what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, gotcha. And to me, that's the hardest thing to guard. Oklahoma State's the best at it. 
Yep. Um, because they, ha- they have the best players, but they are they're very special. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll hit and rip screen, and they know what they're doing. They're not just out there flying around and no one has any idea what they're doing. Now they have talent that takes over sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's you can't. And the other thing is that's coaching too. Like, stay away from that. Let them do what they do. Um, but I think it, the hardest thing to scout is is the non terminology. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the mm-hmm. I hit the head, and if I have to count to the short corner and we swing it, that means I'm setting a rip screen for you. And now we're pinning down, and now we're getting a step up, yeah. and now we're, we're playing. And I think that's that's the way. That's the hardest thing to guard. Love it, and it's that's what we're trying to get to. Because it's, yeah, I know I 100% agree, and obviously you're you're experiencing it at the highest level. Like, with the, with basically at that point, the defense can't be right because you've already prepared them for. Okay, they did that. Now we're doing this without you guessing correctly. Five out of seven trips, you know, and that's 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 an amazing. I totally agree. The and, you know, like, go ahead. I was gonna say there is a flip side where you know Memphis, for instance, when they're healthy, mm-hmm. with Conley and Gasol, they'll call plays, but. Mike Conley's calling the play, and Mike Conley's deciding what he wants to happen, and they do it slower than we do it, or, or Golden State does it, or Houston. Yeah, but it's it's the same thing. You know, Mike will call; they'll call Mark up, and they'll play two man game. But you know, Mike knows he's trying to get to the second side. He's trying to find you know back in the day, Courtney Lee or yeah or whoever. Like he knows, so it looks simple, but there's a lot going on. Right, there's a lot to decipher if you're a defensive player. The NBA is. It is incredible. I mean, it's uh, the way the guys coach the game now and the amount of options and the way that the bodies move and the, and the interchangeable players. Like, it's a – you know, I think sometimes people just don't get it. Like, you don't understand how much organization there goes into playing that fast and being that efficient. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For you guys, timeouts. I think people people sent in to me. Hey, ask Dave what is the what is the dynamic, and maybe it's been different for you at your stops. Timeouts. I mean, first of all, they're they feel like they're ten minutes long, you know, because of TV. What is you know on our staff, we've got an assistant that's going to set defense while I talk with the two offensive guys about potential adjustments. What is it for the Nuggets? You know, what is it that you experience with Orlando? Has it been different per stop? Just take us through that. The whistle whistle goes, and I'm watching Toyota commercials, and you guys are in the arena. You know, uh, what does it look like? Yeah, it's what you describe with with your guys. You know, in Denver, we have a, a defensive coach that talks to the players. Um, you know, I'm in charge of. You know, if he looks at me and says, "What do we got for Gary Harris?" I usually have three or four, uh, you know, opinions on mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, coach ultimately decides. Um, so I have a card. I have a card of broken down of this is good stuff for Nicole against this team yeah. because they guard this way. Yeah. Um, the craziest thing in the NBA is that. You're right. Most of our timeouts are like basically just breaks, but then the most important ones are a minute ten. Yeah, right. So it's, yes, it's, it's crazy. So you, you feel like you know at the end of the game, that's the point where I'm always with each head coach. You have to you gotta feel how they feel. Like if, if you can tell they got something, just stay the hell away from them. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. If you can tell they're kind of scrambling and we're at a minute ten, you know, you better have one really good suggestion. And so he can feel comfortable and go, gotcha, like I can, I can write that up right now. Got, is that part um, of your so, staff prep before? Like, Coach, here's that. Here's the play sheet that, you know, half this possession, they, these three are good to go. Is that part yes. of your prep? Okay. Yeah, you know, the most important thing for me that I've learned is when you're an assistant coach, you don't want to try to do your most creative play caller at a timeout. So what works all the 
time is what works the best. So yeah, it's like, right. A lot of times, like, I, you know, I've been on staffs where, you know, it's me and another guy, like you said, with your staff, where we're, we're out there, we're giving our opinion, and they'll, have, they'll call something out that I'm like, that's like an end-of-game play. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, at, sometimes the easiest thing is like, hey, let's, you know, for us, like, let's run a step-up pick-and-roll and clear the slot and throw it to Nicola and let him play second side with Gary Harris. Like, that's really simple. Yeah. But that's the best thing to do. Right. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's, you know, you can, you can talk yourself into stuff that you, that doesn't need to happen. Are you in preparing for a team, you know, obviously on the offensive side, are you watching five most five recent games? Are you taking season – identity how what has been the best practice for you let's say it's middle of the year here come the bucks how far back are you going to figure out what they're doing i'm going five games out but the only the last two will i watch in its entirety got you three before i'll tap through yeah and i usually i usually grab um who I call like us teams, teams that play like us. Okay. I'll go. I'll go back and whether it doesn't matter if it was two months ago and just see how they guarded, you know, uh, Golden State split actions. Yeah. And stuff like that. Because a lot of times the last five doesn't mean anything because maybe those five teams don't play like you. Right. Right. So but there's things you can definitely get. You know, everybody runs pick and roll. Everybody runs side pick and rolls for the most part. Um, so you can you can see what their calls are, their terminologies, what they when they struggle, what they change to. Um, you know, there's unique teams that will hard sell still, which is kind of an outdated thing now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you, that stuff you can get from the, the last five. But to find their real identity against how you play, you know, you have to find teams that play like you. Right. And you got to watch them guard those teams. Uh, when you're getting those, like you mentioned, I can tab through, are you yourself having to be very technologically savvy, or is there a young David Adelman on your staff whose job it is to load your iPad? Well, they, they'll load the game um, right after the game. Uh, they code the game during the game. Yeah, okay, in-game you know, coding, gotcha. Which allows me to, you know, if we're going to back-to-back and i got to, make the offensive edit for the team the next day. I got to make that edit for Gary Harris and I got to get us prepared for the next team. Yeah. It allows me to, to work faster and more efficiently. Right. 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 Gotcha. Um, and I, you know, I've had to learn. I mean, it's a lot of the stuff now that I learned when I first started to win. It's like, well, yeah, everybody knows that. Um, but when I first got into it, it was like, oh my gosh, this is a lot of stuff. Yeah. 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 So but I've gotten good at it. And I think technology, the best technology, just like, anything else is you got to find your comfort zone, how you work the best, most efficiently. And I noticed that all the coaches kind of do it in different ways. Yeah. 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 Make- so, you know, I, I know my way, I know what I'm comfortable with. I talk to our tech guys about that. They understand that they kind of tailor it to the way I want it to be done. Gotcha. Gotcha. You mentioned earlier, you know, drawing back to even your high school experience when you were, you were with Lincoln, what is a decision action? I think, and one of the things we talk about in our program, decision making isn't just assist to turnovers. Like you got to know when to shoot the ball and when you shouldn't shoot the ball. Like that's a decision. What is yeah. something in the league that I mean, it's universal throughout basketball, and maybe people don't realize you're coaching that choice in the NBA just like you would at high school, college, hell, middle school. What, what's a what's a cho- a decision on the floor that kids got to be able to do? Well, I mean, for us, it's. I think it's it's knowing when to the, the style of pace that you play with and knowing the situation. Gotcha. You know, I, yeah. Possess, possessions, and I mean that like even in the first quarter, you know, the last three minutes, it has to be really clean. 
the last interview Doug Collins was talking about this all the time on TV, which was a great point, and I don't know how he's not coaching the NBA still, but the it's the NBA game. I mean, that first nine minutes of the first, second, and third quarter, it's a free flowing game. But those last three, you got to have responsible people on the court because those momentums that you take with you from quarter to quarter are so big. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth quarter, you know, the decision guys have to make on, you know, when is it my time to be aggressive? When is it my time to pull this thing out, get to the corner, get out of the way? Yeah. Um, and it's tough because the game is so free-flowing that you have to trust your guys. And I like last year, it's not enormous strides through teaching on, you know, what's important at what time. You know, I thought Jamal Murray, he grew up last year playing point guard for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's by the end of the year, we really felt like we could say, hey, man, you know, we got four minutes left in this game. Here's three sets we really like. You call them. You know, you're in charge. You and Nicola run the team. And we could do it. And that's – those are the decisions they have to make. The responsive, the responsible decision in a really fast flowing game. Right, right, right. No, exactly. And I, I hope I haven't had that. You, you've done a th- thank you for your candidness throughout this, and I hope I haven't led you down the coaching cliche answers. I hope both teams played hard. Um, <laughs> what is? I appreciate it. What before I let you go? Nuggets ninth place, heartbreakers. All you know, the last couple years. What's going to put you over the top into the playoffs? Health. Yeah. I mean. I, I think everybody in the West, the West is so deep. I think it's well. Now you got be, LeBron three, four times a year for you too. Now that's great. Yeah, and Memphis is healthy, and you know Dallas picked up Doncic and DeAndre Jordan. And I'm not saying those teams will make the playoffs. I don't know, but it's uh, it's gonna. I really believe it'll come down to the teams outside of those top top tier. The teams that their best players play the most games will get in. I mean, Portland has been extremely blessed that Lillard and McCollum have played so many games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, and not, it's not a knock on them. That's great. It's good for them. Yeah. But it's, uh, if we can not lose Paul Millsap for 50 games, not lose Gary Harris for 14, not lose Nicole Jokic for a seven-game road trip, you know, that kind of stuff, in an 82-game schedule, you look back and go, gosh. Yeah. You, you forget because it flies by. You're like, my God, we, we didn't have three starters in Boston. Right, right. So it's just if we can stay healthy – you know, the way we score the ball, the pace we play with, um, you know, you feel good about our chances to get in and, and make some noise. That's awesome. Hey, man, always a pleasure having you on. appreciate you giving us 30 minutes today. I know, like you mentioned, the buildup's coming, the kids are sick, and all those things you found time for across the stream. So I appreciate it, my friend. No, no, I'm so glad I didn't have to talk about uh, Gene Potter beating me by 30. <laughs> See, I tried to stay away from that. You know, yeah, I, I know that's a sore spot for you, but... <laughs> I tell you what, we were in it though that first couple minutes. Oh, you were. You know, the plan was, was so sound, so <laughs> sound. This is gonna be the best speech of my life, and then it was twenty-six to four. You needed more Pacino any given Sunday. Obviously, you didn't really commit to the thin line. It's us and them. Nah, we didn't have Lawrence Taylor. On our team, <laughs> but, uh, hey, so. thanks, man. Say hello to the fam and uh, good luck, buddy. Yeah, you as well. Thank right, you. See you, Dave. Cross the Streams Podcast, Season 2, Episode 11, uh, Denver Nuggets Assistant Coach and sounds like kind of an offensive coordinator responsibilities this year, David Adelman, uh, who we had on Season 1, was my guest on an interview uh, earlier this week, and Kane's joining me now to, to break down and do our typical reacts to the interview. Uh, Kane, general thoughts up top or someplace you want to dive into right away? Just general thoughts up top. 
just I, I still am so very intrigued by just the dynamic of being at the professional level and in dealing with professional athletes and just the age range that you're dealing with. Yeah. Uh, he touched upon some of the rookies or young guys he's got or 18, 19 year olds. And then you've got the older vets that he's having conversations with, uh, like adult conversations, yeah. you know, about parenting and, and all these things and, and everything that they have in common or, or that common ground that they can find, uh, in that regard. And, and just the different ways that you have to try and motivate. Mm hmm different groups and, and I, I just find it so fascinating yes and i was thinking day. of you in some of that in myself because you know we would probably a high school coach would probably look at us and say hey what's the difference between a freshman in college and then the young adult that might be a senior or a graduate yeah. student for you right but yep. we don't deal with nine years after that like a paul Millsap <laughs> that, that david brought up in his interview you know he's got uh, their draft pick that they just got out of Missouri. What's God? What's his name that I'm thinking of? Michael Porter, Porter Jr. Porter. That yep. he's got to deal with, and then Paul Millsap's damn near a decade in the league and a grown man. You know, <laughs> exactly. that, I mean, you're, you're potentially depending upon how old you are, you're potentially coaching guys that are older than you. Yes, and then have been in the league longer than you. Right, and have all these different experiences. So, uh, how is it that you go into a meeting room every day and expect these guys to just pay close attention to everything that you're trying to tell them mm -hmm. when they're potentially in their minds like, well, dude, I don't, I know so much more than you. I've been in this league four years longer than you. I've been alive five yeah. years longer. Than right. You. Uh, you know, it's, it's, ah, that's just got to be such a different dynamic. Yeah. But I think he describes it very well and describes, uh, I know going all the way back to the first interview, just, uh, somehow coming up with a connection with with whoever it is mm -hmm. regardless of age regardless regardless of experience if you can find a connection you're in yeah and, and they'll listen and they'll respect your words and i think i still just think that's so uh, fascinating and, and so um you can apply that to so many different things not yes. only obviously coaching but uh, everything that you're doing right in, in the world uh, in every different profession because that's what you have to deal with. Yeah. It's so, so many different people and different ranges of ages and, and different backgrounds. And uh, if you're in any type of service industry, really any business in general, you got to deal with people in some, in some facet, right? Yeah, right. Do you think that applies to us, some of that, as you were talking, I was thinking about maybe going back, like my staff, uh, two of my assistants are older than me. One, mm -hmm. Two of them are younger. When you yep. were the DC at Montana State, you know, the dynamics of older coaches, young as a DC, now at UW, you know, that's one area where I think there's some of that crossover for us in day to day with, you know, the adults in the room versus the kids, but yeah. also in recruiting, right? Like the parent recruitment or the coach recruitment is so different than the kid you're recruiting and what you try to yes. say. So maybe there, we probably just don't recognize it because we're so used to our day to day. Granted, I don't got to get Jimmy John, my recruits mom, to 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 read ball screen right, you know. So <laughs> that's a little different. But I I do got to convince her this. She should send her son to me. So maybe we do deal with it, and we just don't recognize that we are changing those hats in our yeah, conversations. Uh, huh? That's a great point. I, I didn't even look at it like that. That's that's a really good point. Where you do have to deal with uh, different age groups and mm -hmm. different personalities and different backgrounds. 
on a regular basis. Yeah. What really did you do. think of the film part he talked about? And I, because I know football wise, you guys are so heavy in the film, not just for yourself getting prepared, but the, the staff and then the kids, position groups, whole groups. I thought it was interesting that he mentioned they do a lot of individual. You know, guys yeah. on the plane himself, and it's a lot of small group. And for me, it felt great because that's something we've tried to lean on the last year for our program, Willamette University, more position group only, less, oh, everyone's in the room with the big screen and Coach Kip is cussing. So I, I felt kind of vindicated a little bit. Hey, maybe we're on to something if the Nuggets are already further advanced in, hey, we're doing individual to get you better, and that'll make us better as a group. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. I, I really felt like, wow, okay, uh, it's not just football that has to break it up and, and uh, really break it down into individual uh, positions, individual groups. The film study, you yeah. don't think of basketball and go, yeah, I bet they study a lot of film. Right. You know, you think of the Kobe Bryants, the LeBrons, and, mm-hmm. and these guys that, okay, they're they're known for the extra that they're doing, yeah. extra film work, but you don't really put it in your mind like oh i bet everybody does that right uh and it sounds like a lot of teams are are going to more of that when when which makes total sense Mm -hmm. with the technology that we have nowadays to be able to break things down and really look at it uh specifically position oriented um just the same when when we started talking about offensive um install and things of that nature right wow that sounds really familiar (laughs) you know like yeah Really? I didn't realize that basketball, I mean, obviously having a basketball family coaches yourself and talking with you plenty about about your operation. I had an idea that that that's kind of how some teams do it, but I don't think your average Joe would have any clue that the NBA kind of has these offensive guys and Mm -hmm. defensive guys. Yeah, I think, uh, yes, I was going to ask you, because he really sounds like the OC of the Nuggets, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he said he's, he's got that responsibility. And I know on my staff, we've had a transition situations coordinator for transition offense, defense, which we kind of envisioned as special teams. So I think there is kind of a trend. I don't know if anybody's been declared that at a D1 yet or like, hey, this is our defensive coordinator. Maybe they have, but I think it is a, a definitely copying your guys' model because at the end of the day, man, this is a lot of moving parts. It's not 22 men, but it's still 10 guys moving, and sometimes you need specific eyes on specific parts of it. Yeah. No, I, I agree, and I think it allows you to kind of, as the head guy, to focus on the whole piece yeah, and focus on everything else that you have to work on as, as far as the head coach part of it uh, is concerned. And then it also just gives a little bit more of that extra responsibility to your staff mm-hmm. and allows them to really um, have some ownership in it, yeah. have some ownership in, in the success of, of whatever side of the ball or I guess whatever side that offensively and defensively they're you're trying to get them to ex- be an expert in. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. I think it also allows your, your players to kind of see it as, huh, yeah, all right, we've, we've got this thing broken down. Yeah. And we're not just your everyday run-of-the-mill type of program. Right. What did you think? I was really interested in you and you and David Gunn had talked to me about some questions to make sure we got to David. I was really interested in because I know your job at Washington, you're watching a ton of film to prepare for opponents. And I, I love David breaking down for us. He's going five games previous. He's getting the cut ups from those, but going from start to finish with the previous two. Does that yep. is that in line? I don't want you to give away trade secrets, but is that in line with you? You know, like it's always. I think that's a unique thing for each coach. Like I go two yep. games only, 
But I really like some of the things he talked about us teams list. Like there's teams in our league that play similar. So I'm going to watch them more closely to kind of vet my stuff versus, man, we don't press like UPS. It really doesn't help us to see an opponent play them because it's such a different. Is that similar for you guys in in the football and in your job? Definitely. Definitely. That is a big part of obviously what I'm doing on a regular basis as far as the opponent preview and opponent overview of of the, of the teams that we've got coming up next. And so that's a big part of my job is figuring out, okay, what games should we be looking at? Um, how do I want to go about breaking them down? And I've got my own system. And like you said, I don't necessarily right now want to uh, yeah. give away any trades or secrets, but it's really not that big of a secret. I mean, everybody uh, is going to look for top plays, top mm-hmm. uh, formations, things of that nature. Uh, but you try and just find little things that you can grasp onto as far as what your opponent is all about. Yeah. Um, but you, it's similar to what Adam was saying as far as you're not going to watch, you're going to try avoid avoid teams. Say if I'm an offensive QC and the our opponent, our next week opponent, played a, a wing T offense like Navy or Air Force the week before, that's not going to do me any good to right. get a glimpse of their defense. If, if we're not running anything anywhere near a, a, an option team, right? right. So right. that those two games, uh, we're not going. We may watch them for personnel only. Let's get a feel for their personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then on the flip side, say we're watching a team that defensively is very similar to what we do here in Washington. Then that's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. We get a great idea of the blocking schemes that we're going to see that week. We're going to get a great idea of, of if it's similar coverages, what kind of. Uh, pass play or pass concepts are we going to see that that attack our specific zones or our specific Mm -hmm. coverages that we play Uh, so if you can find those teams that are similar to you you're going to grasp onto those a little bit heavier than those teams that are are doing some different things outside of the box that you're not going to see very often do you think you've adjusted have you had different methods because i know for myself like when i was an assistant it was one game only i was probably diving into my first five years as a head coach i probably watched way too much like, oh, I've watched their last nine games. Great, buddy. You're like by, by the fir- third hour, the diminishing returns are ridiculous. And now yes. I've kind of got a system. Has that been an evolution for you? Because it sounds like Dave has a pretty solid idea of what he's doing and built it from you know his time of the Wolves through the Magic to now. What about mm-hmm. your evolution and your own process? Without giving it away, like have you changed it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's uh, every year I feel like I tweak it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And try and really, what I'm trying to do is be as efficient as possible. Yeah. And, and that's where I, I keep, I think every year I get more and more efficient, um, trying to save time, but also being more of, okay, let's get rid of, let's get rid of all the minutiae, all the fluff, yeah. all this other stuff. Let's really try and break down what this opponent is doing. Yeah. And really emphasize the things that we have to see during practice that week and emphasize the things that, that hey, this is, we know we're going to get this. Um, and then focus on that yeah. as far as what your players are going to see. Focus on that as far as practice-wise, what reps you're going to get, and then all the other stuff, that's all fluff that, that as a coach you can hang on to and keep on the side. Like, all right, just in case, here's some things that mm-hmm. they may do, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it goes back to just, all right, what kind of adjustments will we have to make on our end defensively um, in order to stop these things that they do so well? 
What about technology in that? Because I, I know David oh, talked God, a lot, yeah. right? He talked about is that you guys as well? I envision you guys like you beat you beat Utah last week. You're on the plane. Like, are you like David? He mentioned in there that on the Nuggets plane, they all have their their either phones for the players or their iPads that are already preloaded by their film people, and the plane is a workplace. Is that similar yeah. for you guys? Yes, yes, man. On that, uh, so Auburn, for example, when we flew down to Atlanta on the way back, it's a four and a half hour flight. I was done with our game in our opponent's game. Oh, yeah. Within that four-hour span. Right. Just like that. So it saved me four and a half hours having the ability to break it all down on the plane. Mm -hmm. And it's a phenomenal uh, how much technology has helped us in that regard. You talk about being efficient and time-saving. Right. That has been unbelievable. I think you can get me to open an email if you're a tech company. You can get me to open your email if you put save man hours for your staff. If you yes. put something oh, like that, I'm opening man. it. Even if you're full of shit, you. I'm opening it. Yeah. Yeah, there's, no, there's so many things that run through my mind every day as I'm looking at film or, or uh, plugging in data and all these things. Like, okay, this we could save time with this, this type of program. If I had the ability to actually program something, <laughs> like those computer programs, right. you know, if I could type Just code it. something out, code it, or whatever the hell it takes. I can't even talk the lingo. <laughs> but if I could somehow come up with it, there's so many ideas that have ran through my mind. I'm like, golly, I yeah. gotta get with some of these tech companies and just pitch some ideas yes. and see what I can come with. I'm, I'm, I could be out of this profession and just making millions. <laughs> just on, on apps? On a patent of an app or right. whatever it may be yes. to help coaches save time and save uh, energy, man. It would be, um, yeah. That, well, is that, like your, said, talk about the plane itself. Are you guys having to do all that offline? Like David, I talked about it. Man, the Nuggets charter the Wi-Fi must be crazy good. And he was like, well, most of it we've loaded offline and the software they're using is offline. Um, yeah. I know for me, like on a charter bus back, say we're in Spokane, I like you mentioned, I got seven hours. I got plenty of time. But if it's not, you know, the people, we don't get DVDs anymore. You know, like you don't hand over a disc after the game very rarely. So then you're waiting for the upload and the conversion and then I can get to it, but I better have a hotspot for my phone. So my laptop, is your stuff offline loaded already? Yeah, yeah. Oh, gotcha. it's all in our our film guy does an amazing job and his crew and staff to do an amazing job and, and it's it takes some some time on their part on their end. Yeah. Uh, but once they've got it, they're able to just freaking upload it to everyone's surface or um, whatever computer they may have. Yeah. And we're off and running. And Is that when you day, guys plug back into our server when we get back to our offices? Yeah. We're able to, plug back in and then all the data that we put in is uh, there if we're offline it'll yeah. just upload onto our server and now it's on all there talk about an important it, yeah some sometimes it may they may have to go back and do some some fixing of certain things but yeah it's all said and done it's a pretty smooth operation for us as coaches now on their end they're like the freaking fire ants behind the scenes <laughs> doing all sorts of freaking crazy yes that we don't necessarily see yes but <laughs> for us as coaches it's it's pretty smooth sailing i mean i've got to imagine because david mentioned the same thing they're film guys like that position how underrated is that higher like oh. our film direct our film techs or whatever those positions are called in the nba and then for you guys that's yep. very underrated <laughs> if you're yes. not good at it i know for us like we have a huge concern right now in our department because there's been some changes in the hardware of the wi-fi in the building and yeah. all, I know myself and the women's basketball coach, like, man, if they don't fix these speeds, 
it's going to wreak havoc on our film upload and download to scout. It's going to be a disaster. So yeah. we've got to know the tech people on campus. I'd imagine yep. Coach Peterson's got to put in time. And who is who are we hiring to run yeah. those fire ants? Oh, I'm telling you, man, it is the most underrated position in any football program around the country. I guarantee it. If you don't have a good film guy, you got issues. Yeah, and your your coaches are pulling their hair out on a weekly basis because this isn't right or this isn't right or you're waiting on this. If I mean, there's certain people within our athletic departments that are so underrated <laughs> uh, and you can just think of it like this. So, uh, and Peterson says this a lot and it, it makes total sense. Like if tomorrow or today, for example, uh, say myself or one of our other coaches just didn't show up. Yeah. Right? Just didn't show up. Practice is still going to run pretty smoothly. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Not a problem. But you take a film guy out of the equation for that day. Yeah. We're yeah. not practicing. <laughs> we're not getting anything done because we can't see it afterwards. Right. Right. Or the equipment staff. Say yes. The equipment staff just doesn't show up for that day. Right. That's You're amazing. Not getting anything done. That's amazing you say that, and I I couldn't co-sign harder because we switched last year our responsibilities for practice gear laundry. Okay. Uh-huh. So you know D D three we don't have we don't have managers. So, you know, it's between the classes, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. And forever, we just made the freshmen do it because it was like, oh, this is your rite of passage. But I tell you yep. what, freshmen aren't quite ready for that. And nothing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can't tell exactly. you how many times in 2016, 17, the freshmen forgot the practice gear and it destroyed our day. Yeah, so we exactly. flipped it last year and the seniors do the practice gear laundry. Because if we don't have the goddamn gear, we can't practice. So if you want to really be in charge of the team, you have to do the most important thing. Like you, like you mentioned, we can get by without the score, the scoreboard clock or the yes. gun shooting apparatus. But if we don't have clean, non-sweat-drenched, reeking Nike practice gear, we can't go out there. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. What else, uh, what else from David did you want to jump into? I know you're in between meetings getting ready for Arizona State. What else do you want to jump in while we got you? Um, I, I like the the talk initially as far as I, I was I was very curious about their training camp regimen. Yeah, kind of how that that picture all played out, mm-hmm. and just the I, the competition with yes. the training camp sounds like it is ferocious. Like what do you say? Six days before they play LeBron? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> six days. You got six days essentially to figure out how to get on the in the rotation to figure out how to get on the court or. You're done. Mm-hmm. Potentially, your career's done. Right. right. Some of those guys are, like you said, I think three year, year three, and they're still trying to find a place or a role. Yeah. And if you can't that year, you're pretty much heading to Europe or China, wherever it may be, and, and you can probably kiss your NBA career goodbye to yeah. a certain extent. Yeah. So the competition is. I would love to. Uh, I think you mentioned hard knocks when you were during the interview. Yeah. Like an NFL style hard knocks. I'd love to see an NBA style hard knocks for training camp. Yes, absolutely. Just, I want to see those pickup games. I want to see the just your scrimmages on a regular basis. Just mm-hmm. the competitiveness of some of these players on a day to day basis would be awesome. Like, could you imagine going back and watching the Bulls oh, with the MJ right. days and him and Pippen going at it? Yep. Or uh, the Lakers with Kobe in his heyday. Yeah. Um, and just, I would love to watch these guys 
and see them on a day-to-day basis. Yep. And I think when I think we touched on it, I think you and I have discussed it, and David, I asked him about it. I would love that same scenario because I think the NBA staff and the coaches and maybe, like you mentioned, the competition level of their training camp is at a disadvantage compared to the NFL strictly because of series like the Hard Knocks and the fact that if you're on the sideline for Auburn, I see you with a headset on. Regardless of what's in the headset, you look like, oh, Kane's dialed in. Or other guys, you know, other other coach, other systems. Like, you got your guys at D.C., Coach Lake. He's dialed in. He's got tech. He's got iPads in the NFL. The, the quarterback coach is swiping through. You don't see that from David, even though, like, we find out in the interview, like, their offense, that's his the genesis of his brain. I mean, I know he, he obviously said yeah. Coach Malone has a lot of a lot of say-so, obviously. But that you don't notice that. Like, you're like, oh, there's those five guys in a suit. There they are. What are they doing? Oh, they're doing no, a lot, actually. That's a great point. Yeah, right? like Brad Stevens gets all this credit for, and I'm sure he is a, uh, like you said, the head guy still is probably going to, he's got to sign off on everything, right. blah, blah, blah. But maybe Brett, one of Brad Stevens' assistants is the guy that's got these sidelines out of balance plays. Yeah. Or, uh, maybe the time, coming out of a timeout, maybe that's the assistant and not some of these head guys that are getting all this credit yep. for being these wizards out of, out of timeouts. Right. And I think that's a great point, too, because if you watch the league more and more, and I've even done it the last two or three years when I humbled myself to say, you're not the only idiot that can draw on the whiteboard during a game, Kip, uh, and let my some of my staff take over. But you watch, like if you saw the, the, the Warriors huddle and you didn't see Steve Kerr with the whiteboard, you'd be like, what is going on? He's not even the coach. But really, that's probably smart because I'm sure, like David mentioned, he's got 10 plays ready to get Will Barton going. You know, and he's got six plays ready to get Jamal Murray going because he's talked to him. He's had those individual meetings, and he knows what – I thought it was great where he mentioned that players are comfortable with the set. Like, I think I overlooked that myself. Like, this looks really great, but what if my two-guard hates this play? Like, he just yeah. doesn't like it. I thought – so in that regard, like, as a head guy, you should say, yeah, man, draw that. Please, go. And, yeah, and it, I think exactly. it takes a while to get to that point. But I have noticed it a little bit more on some of those, you know, the footage the NBA gives you on TV. You see some assistants in the huddle in charge. Yeah, yeah, no question. Well, when they're interviewing the guys in between quarters on TV, you're right. Someone's got to be running the damn huddle. Right. (laughs) Although it was funny when Dave said, hey, some of those are just really long and we're just kind of sitting there. (laughs) Those TV timeouts. Which makes sense because it's the same thing in football too, those media timeouts. Yeah. Right. It's like, all right, let's let's move this game along, please. We already made the adjustments we need to make. Yeah. Let's let's move it on. Uh, one thing I want to make sure we get in. Uh, I really appreciate his willingness and openness to talk about, you know, the, the tragic loss of his brother RJ, who played here at Willamette. I don't know if yep. you got a chance to read the article in the Athletic, but it was it was just it was really cool that David and the family felt such a positive thing. For, you know, sometimes I think the media. You, you know, everybody in, the today, in today's culture, oh, the media or this article or this story really screwed us. It was nice to hear that that piece by the writer and the athletic really kind of gave them a, a, a uplift, you know, because its portrayal of RJ was so positive and, and captured who he was. So I really appreciate David's willingness to talk about it with us and the work that went into that piece that, that was really well done. Yep, yep. And I have not got a chance to dive into the article, uh, but I'm definitely going to do that. And I encourage everybody else out there to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I, obviously a, a tragic situation, but you yeah. can just 
tell that their family is, is a strong bonded family yes. that's, that's working through it as best they can. And, and I think uh, it was great to hear that this article was definitely helping them in that regard. I, I love the way he put it as far as it's an article that can spin it, not spin it, but puts a more positive light yeah. on uh, on his brother yep. for family members to be able to read later on. Yep. So it's not just this, that's their only memory is the tragic side right. of things. Yeah. Here's a celebration of who he really was. You know, the one thing I wanted to mention that I feel like is very applicable to our family, you know, in the bond, and I'm lucky having known David, you know, we were both young coaches at a, at a Who Cares hoop camp in the summer thinking we were changing the world. Um, and he, I was lucky enough to have his younger brother, Pat, on my staff for a year. When he talks, and you probably heard Dave mentioned in there, the life fa- family life balance, and they learned it from their dad. Like, I've seen that firsthand. And Rick, Rick Adelman's a Hall of Fame coach who's in the finals against Jordan in the Bad Boy Pistons. Like, he did his job at a phenomenal level. But I've seen it. Like, they are close. Like, it's not like, oh, we tell everybody our dad's present and he taught us life balance and he's really not. They, I mean, they, you go to Pat's high school games now, Rick's in the stands. Yeah, you know, and so awesome. I thought it's really that's what's been up for, refreshing for me going back to what you talked about with knowing the NBA life that mm-hmm. they are like the, the Adelmans are dedicated to each other. Like they want to win basketball games and coach and, you know, their sister Kathy's phenomenal coach like they they are good at the craft. But at the same time, they keep family very, very high on yeah. their list. And it's fun to yep. see that because I think we both probably would have the perspective of, oh, we're committed to that at the college level. We've been able to do it. Our dad and mom showed us how to do it college, high school level. But the NBA guys or the NFL guys, there's no way that can happen. Well, it's cool yeah, to see exactly. that it can. You know, if you put exactly. your mind to it, you can be at the highest level and do it the right way. And do it the right way and have that balance of life, man. Yeah, and not live. sacrifice your soul. Exactly. To be on the bench, you know, and sacrifice relationships with with your family members, with your children, um, wife, girlfriend, yeah. fiance, whatever it may be, you can still have those strong bonds and relationships, and still do your job, right, to the utmost that you need to. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, 100, percent man. Uh, Finding that balance. Yep. React segment. Kip and King cross the streams podcast season two episode 11 with Denver Nuggets coach. David Adelman, hey, one random tidbit, because we get it in, I'll let you go. If I hear one more person, and you can tell me, because you literally scout quarterbacks for a living to stop them. Tell me tell me this. Can yep. we not say Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback that's ever lived off of two games? What, yes. Like, what in the hell are we talking about? I know he's been great, but it's been two games, and I read a stat where only 9% of his throws – there was actually the, the receiver wasn't open. So can't I give Andy Reid a ton of credit in the scheme? Yes. Like I'm not trying to shit on Pat Mahomes. Like I, I love watching him. Do, I could watch him throw a ball through a barn, and I think it'd be cool. But can we not call him Tom Brady? It's been two day, two games. No, you're, you're, I'm so glad you brought that up because I wanted to bring up Baker Mayfield oh, yes. in the same yes. exact this Mayfield mania that's going to erupt after last night's victory over the over the Jets and Sam Darnold. Right. And uh, it was the same thing for Darnold after his first game against the terrible Lions. Right. All of a sudden they were crowning him the next Joe Namath and the savior of the New York Jet franchise. It's like, guys, settle the F down. Yes. This is one game. How many players have we seen this happen to where they have one game and all of a sudden it's they're, they're crowned the next great thing? Let's allow the season to progress, please. Let's mm-hmm. allow them to get more than just one, for Mayfield's sakes, it's one freaking half. <laughs> yes. One half against the Jets. Again, right. We're talking the Jets. They didn't beat the Patriots. Right. Okay? They didn't beat the freaking Vikings, the Rams, or some of the top-tier teams. They beat the Jets from the yes. same boat as them. 
they've just maybe won three or four more games over the course of the last yes. year. So, and it's still a rookie quarterback that he beat on the other side. Yeah. So settle down. The Mayfield era has not yet begun. No. Let's let them start a game first. Right. And then we'll see. Well, so, I, yeah, I'd I'm imagine, like, like, we just talked about how much, how many hours you put into figuring out what an offense does. Let's yeah. let NFL DCs watch Pat Mahomes a little longer. Like, exactly. And I, I'm pretty sure Andy Reid, like, I just, I, I, it's probably my fault because we're podcasters and we listen to other pods. And they're all, I, maybe it's clickbait, you know what I mean? But Pat Mahomes, I've never seen anything like it. Slow down. The Chiefs scored 40 their first two games last year. <laughs> and then they lost Dallas. to the Titans in the playoffs. Yeah, like, people figure exactly. stuff out. Exactly. Just chill out. Okay, a lot of a lot of players didn't play in the preseason. <laughs> right? guys still just getting their legs under them a little bit, right? Shake the rust off a little bit. Like as so, a Dak, uh, I mean, I know you you got your whole you and the Bears and Trubisky is a whole other conversation. Yes. But as a Dak Prescott, like the Cowboys, Dak was thirteen and three, and since then the NFL's kind of dialed him in. Yeah. You know, like he throws for one hundred and fifty yards, and I love him to death. But it's it's I think there's some problems. Let's slow yes. down. Yes, uh, no, you're, you're exactly right, man. And, and uh, again, the numbers are phenomenal, and they, they that deserves credit in itself. Don't get me wrong; you throw for ten touchdowns in your first right. two games. Yeah, you, you deserve a lot of credit, right? But you don't deserve a Hall of Fame ticket. <laughs> no, right pump now. the brakes. Okay, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. Let's give yeah. this guy the course of the season to see what he can do. Right. Because, like you said, defense coordinators are not dumb in the NFL. No. They're going to figure things out. They're going to figure you out real quick. And uh, they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that they don't throw for 10 touchdowns over the course <laughs> of the next the, however many games. Right. So it'll, it'll be interesting to watch. Absolutely. I'm anxious. I, I want to see some of these guys prove me wrong. Yeah. But, um, no, I'm not I'm not ready to declare this is the era of Patrick Mahomes and, and, and Mayfield and all of a sudden these guys are the greatest things they ever come into the league. Right. Cross the streams, reacts, and a little tangent in the NFL. We'll call it pump the brakes. Thanks, Kane. Good nice. luck this week, man. Nice. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. See you on the other side, Ray.